Welcome to another episode of the Abbott Podcast with me, John McDonald. I'm your host here. And today I'm speaking with Barry Adams, who's the author of The Father's Love Letter. Perhaps you've read The Father's Love Letter or you've seen the videos. If you don't know it, it's a, a worldwide phenomenon that has been going around the world since the 90s in video format, in leaflet format, and it has impacted the lives of so many. Today, Barry is with me to talk about his experience and thoughts on the fatherhood of God for each one of us. That's coming up in just a minute. It's my great pleasure to welcome my friend Barry Adams. Uh, Barry is the author of The Father's Love Letter, but he's done so much more that you may not be aware of. And so we're going to chat a little bit about that this morning. Barry, welcome to the ABBA podcast. Uh, John, it's such a pleasure, mate. Great. Now, some people may not even know your name, and they may not have heard of The Father's Love Letter. So what's your background, Barry? Where do you, you know? Well, we live in Canada, close to between Toronto and Niagara Falls. My wife and I, we have three adult children, three grandchildren. And I actually started working full-time in the newspaper business, 19 years, mm-hmm. uh, in advertising side. Uh, and I became a Christian when I was 15, and I felt like there was a call of God on my life. Sure. Uh, and I, again, my only grid for what that was was pastoral. Yeah. And so even 19 years in the advertising side of things in the newspaper business, I thought, well, maybe one day I'm going to be a pastor. And uh, after 19 years, I left the newspaper business and became a pastor for three and a half years full-time. And uh, yeah, it was kind of one of these, a little bit of a surprise for me because it really didn't fit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I love, you know, I love people and I can maybe speak a bit and, you know, counseling, I may be a tad impatient, <laughs> but um, I, I realized <laughs> that, uh, that it really didn't fit and I really didn't know um, what to do about it. And, and then during that time when I was pastoring, I uh, met this man named Jack Winter and another dear friend James Jordan now, uh, and I came into this deeper revelation of God being my dad, not oh. just a father, but he's my father, and that just changed my life. And, how, did, um, how did that happen, Barry? How did you come into that experience? Well, well I, I, some, if you would call me a type A personality, some people might say I'm a triple A <laughs> personality, <laughs> but that was really rooted in just growing up in a home where you know, my parents did the best they could to love, love me, but my dad came from a broken home. Uh, his parents used to fight a lot, and they got divorced, and he was disowned by his mother through the divorce. And so by the time I came around, he was very, he struggled with anger, and he mm. was an alcoholic, and he kind of built walls around his own heart. And the only way that I could actually get his attention was through um, doing things to earn or deserve it. You know, straight A's in school, uh, sports, yeah. all those type of things. And so what happened, and again, that you know, it wasn't like my father said, Barry, this is how love works, but because he could only love me the way he was loved. And so it's not his fault. But um, I learned at an early age that the only way that I could get affirmation was to do something to des- earn or deserve it. And so that created this incredible engine oh. uh, in my life that, uh, you know, it was like I was really trying to get my really my father's attention. And even though uh, he stopped drinking, he became a Christian uh, when I was 15 years of age. I became a Christian. You know, life change had a powerful revelation of Jesus. Mm. 
changed my life. Uh, a few years later, I had a, a deeper revelation of the person of the Holy Spirit being the third person in the Trinity. That changed my life. Uh, but I had this engine that wouldn't quit. And I, I knew that I had, in a sense, some performance issues. Even in the newspaper business, I had seven promotions. We lived wow. we worked in a medium-sized newspaper of currently, you know, family-owned. So there wasn't a lot of uh, room for growth. But I went from being at 16 uh, in the newspaper, a junior advertising salesman, to being the, uh, the director of marketing and now the executive 19 years later. And uh, so I had this engine. And, and, of course, that engine manifested itself in, even in working in, in the church. I was a volunteer youth pastor, worship leader, elder. You name it. I did it, but I couldn't rest, and I didn't know why uh, until I, I went to a Catch the Fire in October 1997 in Toronto. That's a, a church there, and there was a, just a call for pastors to come forward, and by this time, I was a pastor, and the thought I had, John, was, and again, I understand it now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but back then, it was like I so was looking for love and affirmation that I, I, I guess subconsciously, I thought if I became a pastor, maybe then God would notice me. Maybe then God would affirm me. Maybe then, I, you know, I would be pleasing in his sight. And when I realized that didn't work, it was, it was kind of discouraging. And my performance issues went through the roof. So wow. when there was a special prayer to come forward to receive ministry for pastors, I went forward knowing I had some issues, but I didn't know what they were. <laughs> And none of the uh, conference speakers, which I linked my faith to, by the way, um, mm. would pray for me. It's not, you know, I think God spoke to them all to say, don't pray for this guy. <laughs> and a teenager came up to me, maybe 18, 20 years of age, probably a student from the school of ministry. He just put his hand on my shoulder and he just says, I, I have a picture. You're a baby in your mother's womb. God is your father. And right now he's reattaching your umbilical cord to himself. And I, I didn't feel anything. I didn't understand even what that meant. But I thanked the young man. I went back to my, my seat. And for the first time in my life, I realized the source of all the drivenness, all of the pursuit of, of success and continued achievement was I was looking for the love of a father. Wow. So that was the beginning of what I realized, this, this awareness that I, this father hunger. And then eight months later, uh, I ended up at a men's retreat, uh, knowing God as a father, uh, with Jack Winter and James Jordan. And because I, I had this incredible awareness now that I needed to receive the love of the father. And mm. you know, every Father Heart book, any conference that had the word father in it, you know, I was there. And then it was just meeting Jack and James and just hanging out with them and, and observing them and uh, just hearing them minister, just just really opened the door to realize that that I had these misconceptions of God as a father that I wasn't even aware of. I thought I could preach on God as a father, as a pastor, but yeah. it was like, I, as, as we, as <laughs> we do, right? <laughs> but I had this, uh, this idea that he, you know, intellectually, I, you know, theologically, I had it straight. But I had no idea until that weekend that I had projected assumptions about the father's nature that were based in my own relationship with my earthly father. And I projected mm. those assumptions on God. And it shocked me because I, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. So uh, it was that weekend when God began to dismantle all the things like the way my dad, you know, 
He taught me how to shake hands when I was two or three years of age. I don't remember an embrace from him as a child. Uh, you know, he, I only really got his affirmation when I did something to deserve it. And it was, it really surprised me that I was really approaching God the same way. And with God, it wasn't academics. It was, you know, works. It was, you know, reading my Bible, praying, fasting, tithing, evangelizing, becoming yeah. a full-time pastor. And it was exhausting. And, and well, so this that's week, the thing, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not just physically exhausting, it's mentally exhausting, it's emotionally exhausting because you invest so much of your whole self into it, don't you? Yeah. It's like this Absolutely. is this is this is where I find worth or hope to find worth. Yeah. Well, and it always wow. seems to le lead to disappointment. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, maybe it's unspoken, is it's not something that you would even talk about in the church. Well, uh, you know, it you don't feel the acceptance, you know, no matter what you do, but yeah. internally you, you wear yourself out hoping that one day you, you, you'd experience the love you were looking for that affirmation and it yeah. just never comes, but that propels you to, to work even harder. Isn't it interesting though that when you do receive affirmation, you don't hear it. Right. Right. It, it somehow goes in one ear and straight out of the other. And you think these people don't appreciate me. Right. And all and all they've done for the last month is say how great you are, <laughs> you know. Well, it's the whole. It's never. It's never enough. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just. It's just like, because like you know, if I go back to the experience with my own father, uh, uh, no matter how many he was in judo and he got me in judo, which is a martial arts sport. Uh, at seven years of age, we trained every night, and then the weekend we'd fight oh. in judo tournaments. But, you know, I couldn't emotionally afford to lose. But no matter mm. how many judo tournaments I won, it was never enough. Yeah. It was like yeah. what I was hoping would, would satisfy that hole, that meet that need, never happened. And it was, like you said, it's the same when, when I was in the kingdom, working full time as a pastor. I, I, it just, it, it's, and the problem with the kingdom, as you and I know, John, if you have performance issues in your being before you become in full-time ministry i mean they just go through the roof because yeah kingdom is always expanding it's never ending there's always need and if this performance issue doesn't get dealt with it just it just will just spit you out an interesting question is that a result of being in the kingdom or is it a result of being in a system that bypasses the experience of being in the kingdom because surely the kingdom of god should be opposite to this world it's absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, I should really, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. It isn't the true kingdom. It's our yeah. perception of yeah. the kingdom, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, as, I, as I've discovered and am continuing to discover, <laughs> kingdom, oh, yeah. that isn't the kingdom of oh, our yeah. God and Father, for sure. So what happened as you were following Jack around and watching him and James? What, what came out of that kind of walk? Well, the... the the first thing was this misconceptions that of God as a father that were rooted in my own um, father relationship. And then James talked about the next morning, James talked about uh, how our relationships with our parents uh, are really connected. And, you know, we need to be free, you know, forgiveness and any judgments we've made and, you know, all those things. And again, surprise, surprise, 22 years as a Christian, you know, I thought I had it all sorted. But I didn't realize how deep the pain was with my father. Like I had prayed every prayer of forgiveness for him, but I realized that it was seated in, in the root of who I was. And it spent, I spent my entire life 
looking for love in all the wrong places because of that uh-huh. deficit that I had. So I had to go through a process, you know, and again, which is an ongoing journey for all of us, but uh, to be able to really deal with the wounding that yeah. I had from my own father, to forgive him from my heart, uh, you know, to the best I could, to realize that I had judged him and I had refused to ex- receive his fathering because fathers hurt their kids. Mm-hmm. And and so I had to to repent from all that, and then I didn't have to, but it was like it was really led by the Holy Spirit. And then last night of the the men's retreat, Jack Winner was just looking for a guinea pig so he could <laughs> publicly how he prays for people. And so the host of the the uh, the conference, Dennis Weedrick, a friend of mine, he he actually asked his Barry, "Would you be the guinea pig for Jack?" And so I didn't give it much thought. I thought, okay, I can do that. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm used to speaking in front of people. But Jack asked me one question in front of all these guys. I'm standing there facing them. He just said, Barry, tell me about your relationship with your father, my earthly father. And a, and a very, very painful memory came. Oh. And it was like that, that memory triggered a lifetime of memories. And I went from being oh. uh, an adult, you know, man with three children to being a five-year-old little boy, brokenhearted. And I began to sob uh-huh. uncontrollably, just how, just realizing the devastation of my life. And uh-huh. you know, Jack asked me if, if I could be a little boy that needed to be loved. And I said, yeah. And he said, could you forgive your father for not being the father you needed? And I said, yeah. And then he said, just said, wrap your arms around my neck like you'd hug a father. And I wrapped my arms around Jack's neck. And he used to carry a tea towel with him that he would put on his shoulder before somebody would hug him like a mother burps a baby, you know. But I didn't give him a chance to put the tea towel on. <laughs> I realized afterwards why he did that is because I ruined his shirt. But uh, it was like when I was in Jack's embrace, you know, I was wrapped, wrapped, wrapped my arms around his neck. It was like for the first time in my life, it wasn't in Jack Winter's arms. I was in the arms of my Heavenly Father. Oh. And the, the best way, John, that I could ex- explain it was wave upon wave of love. And I think... Uh, Charles Finney said when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a yeah. liquid love. And, and I, that's the best way I could describe it. And it was like wow. the love of the Father was, began to seep into every area of unlove in my heart. And, uh, and I had a homecoming. And, of course, it, it's not, a, as you know, it's not a one-off event. It's, it's, I don't know how many homecomings I've had over the years. Yeah. But it's every time I forget who I am and wander outside my father's house. It's just like, what am I talking about? Let's. Let's just center myself. I, you know, get into pig pens of my own making. <laughs> but it was interesting because after Jack prayed for me, John, I, I said for the first time in my life, I realized this is what I was created for. Wow. To be a son. Not to be a warrior or a worker or a servant in the kingdom. Yeah. But to be a son. Oh. And so sonship became the very, very core. It continues to be the very, very core of my life. And this is one of the things I, I use, often encourage people. When I came into this revelation of love, uh, because I'm an external processor, uh, you know, just my personality, it was kind of out there and a little bit more um, public for people to see me crying like a five-year-old. But when I came home from that weekend, I, I did the same thing. I said the same words that Jack said to me, and I ministered to Anne. 
And in just her quiet, gentle personality, she received the revelation oh. of the Father's love through her unique personality, which wasn't in the same way that I, yeah. I received it. So I've always encouraged people when I minister, don't try to compare your encounter with love with anybody else's because mm. you are completely unique and uh, the Father speaks your language. So, yeah. yeah. And we make that mistake sometimes, don't we? We, we, yeah. we hear a speaker, uh, and, and I try to be careful when I'm just sharing my story, but, but we don't always communicate, be careful, you know. Uh, and we, we look, I want what Barry Adams got, I want what James Jordan got, I want what John McDonald got. And it's like, well, you can have what I have, but you might not get it the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, so many times, you know, just in the fundamental kind of assumptions about how love works that is that it's so easy for us to believe that god can the father can love the person beside them uh-huh. in the meeting but you know he can't love me and uh-huh. so you know oftentimes we get you know if we're not careful we can get really distracted somebody can be laughing or somebody can be crying or somebody can be stoic and we have these assumptions about what's happening and yeah, yeah. it's just the father in law is and, and i think one of the things is it's not that he he loves us anymore in any expression. It's just it's our awakening to him loving us. He's loved us from eternity. Yeah, and it's it's just a unique experience for each person, isn't it? Absolutely. That, that we're all, I think we're always looking for formulas and what is the way to get this. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I can only tell you what happened to me, but that's not necessarily what's going to happen with you. And I, I, I mean, I've been in Toronto as well. And I've been there when everyone's laughing or falling or crying. I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's, I'm left out again. <laughs> because I, I'm, not a, I'm not focusing on, God, what are you doing in my spirit? What are you doing in my heart? I'm focusing around me and saying, none of that's happening to me, so God's missed me out again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, with Toronto, we only live within an hour's drive. So we, we started attending the renewal meetings in 1994, right through the whole, the, the whole time it was going on. Oh. And in, in the early days, that was a real, I found for me personally, a struggle. Yeah. Because I was trying to measure what, what God was doing for me through the lens of what he was doing through other people. And yeah. yeah, to understand that he speaks our language, he gets us and he is pouring his love in to yeah. our hearts, whether we and even have an emotional encounter or not, he's still pouring his love into our hearts. And, yeah. and to really come, come to terms with that and to just to simply receive it by faith, I guess, it's just, and again, not this big faith where we have to claim or, you know, quote or do anything, but it's just to yield to him loving us in this moment, whether we yeah. feel it or not. Yeah. Wow. I mean, obviously I know you a little bit, so I know some of your, your story. And out of that, experience of coming to know him as father you really i guess all of the ministry you do now came out of that absolutely yeah it was absolutely right it was interesting because being a type a personality in the church i was a a pretty good worker and uh one of the leaders in our church and i think it was said tongue-in-cheek a little bit maybe a little playful but maybe an element of truth Uh, sent an email to James Jordan after I came into this encounter and said, what did you do with Barry? Because you've ruined him and that he's no longer effective in the church and all he wants to do is rest in his father's love. So 
um i think he was uh, a little playful but a little a little yeah, yeah. element of truth with that and that's I know, awesome i know james has uh shared that story yeah. over the years a bit and and i think it's a real interesting thing john because when when i came into this revelation of love the father said to me i don't love you because you do anything barry i love you because you breathe and I was so shocked by that. And, and it just oh. permissioned me to take a breath and, and, and not try to keep on this treadmill of performance. Yeah. And, and as a result of that, it was just uh, being able to, um, I even see the scriptures differently. And I, you know, and I love to memorize scriptures throughout my Christian life and very familiar with so many verses in the Bible that are very popular. But through the revelation of love, I came into a place where I saw them through this new lens. It was like putting new glasses on, and it was the Father's love was from Genesis to Revelation. And, and as a result of that, one day in prayer, I just asked the Lord if I could. I was overwhelmed by all these scriptures. I'm going like, I know these scriptures. I can quote them. <laughs> Why haven't I seen them before? Uh, but you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. I just asked, asked the Father if he could help me put some of these scriptures in the into one stream of thought and i felt like he spoke to my heart it wasn't audible or anything really you know like dramatic like the ten commandments movie or anything else but it was just like i felt like if i put some of them in the right order they'd form a love letter and so uh, i took 50 bible passages paraphrased them in my own um, words and on a Sunday morning after, in January 1999, after I shared about the Father's love in a, a message at my home church, I played what I, this simple sermon illustration called the Father's Love Letter. And uh, uh, we were just totally surprised at the response. Uh, people were just absolutely weeping. Like in our congregation, one little girl ran into her mom's arms and was crying. And, and so her mom was concerned and said, what's wrong? And she said, because she was, you know, came from a single home. She said, I didn't mm. know I had a dad, but the father, God just came to me and he said, he's my dad. Wow. And so as a result of that, we thought, well, if it touched, uh, you know, some people in our church, maybe it would help, you know, would touch somebody on the internet. And so uh, we put it on the internet as a flash video back in November 1999. So we're just coming up to 21 years ago with the, the website. And... Uh, not knowing anything about all this technology, we had a newspaper background. So, but it um, before long, we got a panic phone call from our internet service provider saying, "What are you guys doing on your website?" We only had one flash video. It was, you know, as small as we could make it, and we said nothing. And, and apparently, there were so many people watching the video online that it overwhelmed their own server, which, oh. so that none of the other websites. That were on their web, their internet service could access their websites because <laughs> all, the, all the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, so it, it wow. had on the internet. But it, and it's developed, hasn't it? I mean, you've translated it into how many languages now? Well, on our website, I think we have 121. Uh, but it's like every you know, we we're still discovering new languages that people have done and they've never never told us about. Uh. And, and there's jungle languages. It's been, you know, in, in tribal languages in the Amazon and Thailand and in Papua New Guinea. And so missionaries wow. have, have translated it and, uh, and put it on um, uh, big screens. I remember talking to one min missionary group that it was um, 
Uh, it was a language that uh, there's, there's 15,000 people of the people group in the world. Uh-huh. And the first la- video they ever had translated into their mother tongue was the father's love letter. And uh, wow. so a missionary produced it and played it on a projector. Wow. So, you know, yeah, so it's been, I mean, the only language that we intended to, tra- to get it translated into was German <laughs> after English. And that was because my mother is German speaking. Uh, she never knew her biological father. Her, her own mother gave her up for adoption when she was in Poland. And every time she would read the English version of the father's love letter, she would weep. And uh, she just carried this wounding in her heart. She mm. never understood why her mother gave her up for adoption. And so my wife and I just said, wouldn't it be nice if she could read the father's love letter in her mother tongue, German, and hear the father call her own in her own language. So that's why we did it. And once we put the second language on, on the internet, it was like, it opened up the floodgates and uh, people were saying, can we have it in our language? And uh, so it, uh, yeah, it's kind of taking uh, life all its own. And you, the website still runs, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. We're yeah. we're still getting like considering that it's twenty one years uh, ago. I mean, it, we're still getting hundreds of people every day. Sometimes in the thousands. Uh, twenty one years later, and so that's always um, surprises us. The website is fatherslovelettercom dot com. That is that correct? Yeah, fatherslovelettercom And uh, yeah, we've had it going for. 21 years. And um, one of the things that uh, a friend of mine had mentioned just uh, uh, a little while ago, probably in the last year, he sent me an email and he said, uh, do you know of this Facebook page? Um, They played the father's love letter. They've got the video on there. And so I said, no. So I went to the Facebook page and now I think uh, it's, it's got 30 million views. And this is just one Facebook page. And there's another Facebook page that I found is 5 million views. Oh. And, and so, and of course, if you go on YouTube and if you just type in father's yeah. love letter, there's, you know, there's, there's tons of videos that come up and there's, some of them have 20, 10 million views. And so we, it's, it's just, I, I saw, I'm trying to think, I, th- I think I saw uh, a Burmese video <laughs> yes, on, it, oh, on yes. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, and and see, this is the thing for me with this is it's not my letter, you know, it's the father's letter, and and I've just been so amazed how over the years all we've done is try to keep up with what he has been uh, doing, and you know, it's just like we talked about the difference between our perceived kingdom and the king, the true kingdom of God and our God and Father, where you know that the perceived. Thoughts are we have to work hard enough. We have to do yes. everything. We have to keep striving, and and you know our acceptance is on the line. But the real kingdom is we're loved beyond our wildest dreams now. And the more that we can believe that, it sets our heart at rest. And whether there's a father's love letter or we're having a nap in a hammock in the backyard, it it really is all the same to God. And when we when that love comes, then the measurements drop off, right? And then that just gives us the freedom. Yeah. And so. I, I feel like with the, the Father's Love Letter, it's just been one of those things that um, I, I, early on, I felt the Lord say, just in a loving way, uh, deliver the letter, then get out of the way. <laughs> what, so, what I think is incredible, Barry, is that you don't make a penny from it. 
No, no, no. There's, you know, you haven't monetized it. No, no. Can you imagine if you had a cent for every view? <laughs> you you would have yeah. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be limited to a forty two inch screen. <laughs> yeah. No, you know it's just it's just and I think that's one of the things you know I I mean I think the core of what my heart has always been is just uh, to really not get in the way of, uh, of what just people experiencing love and and I think that's one of the things that even coming back John to this perception that I had of what ministry was. I thought ministry was pastoral and, and I thought that that was my only grid. But then when you become into this revelation of love and I look at the 19 years I had in the newspaper business and realize that I was a son being trained in secular media mm-hmm. for a time such as this. And then, and I, I remember when the Lord, I, I'm a little slow at the switch and it took me quite a few years to really even come to terms with that because you know even as a father heart guy you know as we can be called sometimes yeah. which is an honor but you know really it's the gospel that's all it is but um you know i when i try to you know if i measure myself with other itinerant speakers i can say i can you know i can get into that same yes. crazy cycle again so when i realize that god made me the way i am he gave me authority in realms of media and just to be okay with that, I can speak, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the core of, of who I am, but yeah. And, and I think and if everybody is able to kind of grasp that for their own life, that your life experience is uniquely yours, your personality is uniquely yours, and the Father just wants you to be you, and being you, you will reflect an image of his nature that no one on planet Earth has ever reflected before. What, what I find amazing, Barry, and, and very humbling for me is the fact that, you know, these videos are watched by millions and millions of people. You produced the letter itself in a kind of leaflet form. Now, I know in, in this country, in the UK, there have been people in cities uh, and, and regions set up to deliver that love letter to every home in their city or their region. and. Most of them don't know who you are. I find that, but I find that incredibly humbling that you haven't, you know, you haven't gone on to media to say, "Hey, this is mine. This is mine. Look at me!" And you should all know the name of Barry Adams. You haven't done that. That yeah. In th- in this modern Christian age, that is very rare, my friend. Very yeah. very rare. Well, I I even uh, I even struggled to put Father Heart Communications on sometimes you know on the bottom uh when i first started it but uh i I felt it was just to protect the the letter itself because of you know you know of the potential of misuse and it can be can be tampered with (laughs) yes and it has been (laughs) really (laughs) oh yes oh yes but you know again it's one of those things that yeah i for me it's just i just feel that it's it's uh it's I think it demonstrates, John, it, our Heavenly Father is so longing to, to communicate his love for his kids that he'll use anything, any, yeah. the foolishness, the works of men, yeah. to, to breathe on it. And so for me, it, the Father's love letter is just, just one example of many where he is just wanting his kids to know how much he loves them. And, oh. 
and yeah, so it is, I, I rejoice. Like, I don't feel like, I think when we talk about this stuff, it's not like I, I connect saying this is something I did. Sure. I honestly, it's like, this is what the father has done. And it's, I feel as you, I'm amazed with it. I, I re, like, you know, I go, what? That's so cool. But I don't feel like, well, I've done that. I don't, because I've never. Yeah, but, but, what a tra- but what a change from that triple A type guy who was always wanting to be recognized and noticed and promoted and held up and revered. And, and now you're like, yeah, I don't care. I don't yeah. care if I don't care if no one knows who Barry Adams is. That's it's out there. The letter is out there and, and it's touching people's lives. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I feel is you know, I've reflected on this over the years sometimes, uh, but I feel like uh if people don't know me, it's it's the father's protecting of me. Hmm. Wow. I think oh. he I I see it more of of him sheltering me from myself. Sure. From from being drawn back into a, um, uh, just a system of of trying to live up to something, and yeah. uh, I mean, I you know over the years I've been interviewed and on television and you know different things where it there felt like a lot of pressure in that moment. Yeah, and I, I like I think for me to to be able to live in that consistently and with I think the people who do. Uh, uh, who have that broader influence? I I just have to assume that God's given them a grace to manage it, and He probably realizes this little boy couldn't handle it too well, <laughs> which is totally fine for me. So I yeah. I do see it as as a bit of His protecting me. Sure. Yeah, rather than me trying sure. to deliver deliberately do something. Yeah, but but that's a, there is that aspect, Barry. I know you're you've been humble in this um, because you could try and make something happen. You well, could go, you could go out there and, and say, well, you know what? I'm drawing this all back in. This is mine. Yeah. And, but you, but you, you don't do that. And I, no. I, no. I, I just find it very admirable. <laughs> I do. I, I, I think it, thank you for that. Those words. It's very, it's, it's very counterculture, very counterculture. Yeah. I, I think for me early on when, you know, I came to terms that, you know, when this is, it's kind of um, going to Pandora, it's not Pandora's box, but in the sense that in a good way, not that way, but, you know, once the, the rabbit's out of the hat to get it back <laughs> in, it, it's, it's out, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And one of the things, and I think one of the things for me, John, is the internet. I've always, because we were in the early days. Yes. And so when, I think we, there, when we, launched our website I, I did a research some research on it and i think there was 18 million websites in the world when a father's love letter started now there's over a billion wow. uh and that's not including social media or you know youtube or any of those other things uh. so i i think for me i realized that you know every opportunity for somebody to be exposed to the father's love is a digital c and the moment I start trying to manage that and control sure. it and trying to enforce copyright laws and all that around the world, it, it would just eat me alive. So it's just like mm. in, in the father's, I've just realized I couldn't manage it. I honestly couldn't police this. And yeah. it was the best thing I could do is, is release it. Um, uh, the only time that I will get involved if, if, if it's, you know, in, in, the only way I get involved is just saying, you know, you know, we shouldn't do it that way. If they 
somebody kind of mis it, misuse yeah misrepresents it uh no. not even like for you know people have used it for financial gain and that, uh -huh. i mean you know that's not that's not my issue to deal with but that's it's crazy uh, it's just more to protect the integrity of it yeah and, yeah but again i it does come back to this whole idea of the father just so wanting his kids yeah. to to come into revelation of love and i've you know the stories that we've heard you know we've heard thousands of stories yeah. testimonies of people who who have came into a revelation of love just by reading it watching wow. it listening to it wow. uh and and again it's just it speaks to the i believe you know from my own experience i, I truly believe that when Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. And then Philip and Thomas in verse 8 responded by saying, show us the Father and it will be enough. And then, of course, Jesus answers in verse 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, I really believe, show us the Father and it will be enough is the cry of the human heart. Wow. And wow. I just believe that Jesus came to bring a, be a manifestation of his Father on planet Earth and to be the way for us to come home and experience the Father's sure. love. So I, I even believe that evangelism these days is, it's, I mean, in John, um, I think it's John 6, Jesus is speaking, uh, I think verse 44, and he says, no one can come to me except the one who sent me draws him. Yeah. And then verse, the next verse, he says, anybody, for everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Mm. So then when we start to understand what is actually happening on planet Earth, it's the Father in his desire, bringing a revelation of his son, Jesus, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> so that Jesus can then bring a revelation of his father. And, wow. and bring it home. So it's just, uh, I think in, in my, my own limited experience over 21 years of this, I, I really believe that we were all created to experience the parental love, the family love, because I, I say more and more parental love. I know God is father and he, but he loves us with a father's love and a mother's love. Yes. Yes. And that's the foundational love that every person who has ever been on, born on planet earth was born to, to experience. Mm. And so, and Jesus is the way for us to encounter that. But yeah, I don't want to stoke your ego or, or blow smoke, but, but I really believe that, there are a lot of us in ministry who could learn from you, Barry, and that attitude of just, it's out there, I'm letting it go, it's not mine. Uh, I, yeah, there are areas in my life where I still need to learn that. <laughs> well, it's, I, and, I, and I understand that there are, you know, there, there's different dynamics for different people and everything else. I just feel, uh, like for me, I think the, just the, and, and, and the shutdown here, I think, especially is like we, you know, John. I mean, you've been a uh, a partner in in webcast with with me and, and Mark Jide for so many years, and you, so you get this. And but it's just now more than ever with with the limitations that we have about social contact, which hopefully will be sorted out sooner than rather than later. But it it has put this really big spotlight on on new opportunities which you're taking right now when you're doing sure. this podcast and and uh and i just so for me i just see there are so many opportunities for us to continue to uh to share the love of the father yeah. around the world and so this is so again that we're part of the as helene king would say we're part of the mutual admiration society <laughs> and so and of course i i, I so appreciate what you're doing now and and the 
and all, all of the years that you and I and Mark have hung out on the internet doing webcasts, you know, so it's, uh, we're, we're, I think we're, we're, we're in lockstep with a lot of this stuff already. So, but thanks for your kind cool. of word. It's a pleasure. We'll, we'll stop stroking each other's egos now. <laughs> but so you, for 21 years, you've been doing Father's Love Letter, is that it? No, I, we've been doing, you know, a little bit of itinerant speaking, uh, travel, uh, schools, the early days with James Jordan. Um, and of course I do a lot of schools, a school of ministry. Uh, but we have a bunch of other websites as well. Um, I think we, well, we have six in total. And so again, if I would say what my sweet spot is, my sweet spot still is, um, I feel like it's like creating an atmosphere where God can speak. I mean, it's not mm. me being the central event, but it's just creating an environment. So, uh, you know, we have daily blogs that go out from, you know, the, the six websites and, you know, in varying degrees, but uh, yeah. So, and now a little bit more with just the online uh, focus of teaching and everything else, which is uh, because of what you and I've done over the years, right? It's a little bit more natural. Yes. Done, we've done some, but it's realizing that sometimes now this is kind of, we're very limited, but yeah. So I, I kind of keep, I, it's not, I don't, I wouldn't say I keep busy because the, the purpose isn't busyness, but uh, I'm going at a pace that, that I'm, I'm happy with for sure. It's like you say, there's something of protection because if you were buzzing off all over the world, you wouldn't be able to do, in fact, you probably wouldn't touch as many people as you do now yeah. from, from your room there right. if you were jumping in a plane to America and then a plane to the Philippines or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and I think, you know, you and I have had this conversation over yeah. the years that I, I feel that, you know, my primary gifting is an encourager. That that's kind of, the, not a teacher, not a, not a pastor, not an apostle or a prophet. I, I feel that my primary gifting is encouragement. Mm. And and so I think, you know, even in the, the ministry world, and you know, because we've talked of, of some of the tension that I've had over the years, yeah. that if I try to um, measure my, in a sense, my value or, you know, because everybody wants to be understood, everybody wants to be affirmed. But if I try to kind of have some kind of false expectation that I should be traveling the world, I should be getting on mm. planes where other people are called to it and they're anointed for it and they're gifted for it and God gives the grace for it. But uh, so that has been a journey over the years where, uh, and, and I would say it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I feel sure. that I should do more than I'm doing, uh, or sometimes I do more than I should be doing, but I pay the price <laughs> afterwards. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, like I, I playfully call this command central. You know, I've got three screens in front of me right now and, uh, you know, lights all over the place that aren't on because we're doing this in an audio format. But uh, I go like, this is kind of, this is my sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I'm recording video as well, Barry. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you look, as, you, you look cleaned up. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So these six websites that you have, what, what do they all do? Well, the, the, the kind of the second website, or like the major website for kind of the, kind of the breadbasket for pretty much everything I do is called fatherheart.tv. And that's for kind of, it hosts all our teachings. We have between you and I and, and Mark, I think we, there's like 
at least 300 archived webcasts on that mm-hmm. site. There's devotionals and all those things. So that's kind of the kind of the the, the resting place for um, kind of the Father Heart teaching things. And there's another one called 365promises.com, and that's a daily devotional. And the funny thing mm-hmm. about that, John, is like you said, you know, and I know you were being encouraging about it, but uh, um, when you said that, you know, that I, I've got this kind of chill, you know, relaxed, letting everything go attitude. But and I really felt that in 2007 to create a website um, kind of in a similar vein of the Father's Love Letter, but take Bible verses and do them in the, in the form of promises, paraphrase them, huh? and then and just put them out uh, one a day for, for the year. And even though I felt the Lord had me do that and it was a process of of going through the scriptures and everything else um i kind of felt in my heart that it was going to it could have been another love father's love letter sure right and and i think i i kind of made assumptions about it that uh of, of its popularity that you know when the lord i don't think ever said he used to sit do it, you know, and of course I put my assumptions on it. And so I, when I did it, I, I put it out in 2008 and it was uh, kind of um, disappointing the response after putting in a lot of time and research into this thing, uh-huh. created a DVD with videos similar to the father's love letter. And the, the response was a little bit <clears throat> discouraging. And then a year and a half later, I'm, I, I, these are still being posted the same 365 promises over and over again. And I was, it, it kind of reminded me like I was, this was a, a, a failure. This was something, a work of my own hand that didn't work. And I didn't want to even look at the promises. Oh, no. It was just a reminder that this was just something in my own making. But then I, I, believe, I believe the Lord said to me to love what I gave you. And, and, and I didn't know what that meant, but I felt like he wanted me to write a devotional thought for every promise, in, in, which I didn't have. I just had the promise on a picture. Okay, and I, I and honestly, in my heart, it was like, "Are you kidding me? I <laughs> I don't even want to see these 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 promises because they didn't they weren't nearly as popular." I was kind of measuring the success of the love letter, yeah. but I felt like, "Okay, Father, if this is what you want me to love, what you gave me, I will love this, and I will write a devotional." Now, and and we we keep the same three sixty five promises. It's not like we change it every year. I sure. couldn't manage that; it would just be too much. But that has become in a sense, the flagship uh, website over the years. Like, you know, there's been, you know, millions of people mm-hmm. have come to that and it's been, you know, um, yeah, it just kind of, I mean, it's not been the the same as the Father's Love Letter, yeah. but it has, it has been amazing how, and even today we, you know, uh, in inter- internet terms, it's not really a big number, but, you know, we're probably reaching over 10,000 people every day uh with the with the promises and and so it's just kind of funny uh, how i've almost feel like it's almost like it was a um um an ishmael of sorts like i felt that and then god blessed it and so so yeah yeah, that is that is another website that we we have that uh has just daily devotionals and then we have a few other ones as well sure you do a little bit of doodling don't you (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do. And that is, it's kind of a, it's, and that's one of our websites, Abba's Kids. And uh, just the, it, it, and this is one of the things that I want just to encourage people about is the fact that uh, 
oftentimes when we were little kids, there's things in our hearts that we love to do. As we get older, you know, the demands of school or the expectations of parents, or it doesn't make money or it's not productive, or they start getting shut down. And so one of the things that I used to really love to do was draw. I used to just, you know, draw cartoons when I was a little kid, just enjoyed it, could do it for hours. And then of course that starts to be kind of closed down because it's not practical. You have to study for school and all those things. And then uh, we went through a, a, what I would say would be the most difficult season of our life, my wife and I, when our youngest daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, it was a very, very, uh, they call it the heart attack of all leukemias. And it typically kills within uh, six to eight weeks without being diagnosed. Wow. So they, that was, that was six years ago. And, and so we, uh, my, my daughter's okay. She's got through it all. She's doing really great now. But uh, in the early days, we didn't know if she was going to survive. And it's a, it's a type of leukemia treatment where they, it's treated with almost daily chemotherapy for two and a half years. It is one of the longest treatments for cancer wow. in, in cancer medicine and one of the most intense with bone, bone marrow biopsies and spinal taps and all kinds of things on a, on a mm. semi-regular basis. And through that, we had to spend at least one to two days a week at a, hosp a cancer hospital while our daughter was getting chemotherapy treatments. And um, I would wait for my daughter. My wife would take my daughter in and because she's the gentle, nurturing, stable one of us. <laughs> and she'd be a calming influence on our daughter where her dad, you know, not so much. And so then I would go and I'd either wait in the, in the hospital uh, cafeteria or I'd go to a coffee shop. And I just felt like the father say, why don't we revisit this love to draw? And, uh, and, and because I've always had this heart of uh, the, the kingdom belongs to the little children, I, I thought, what if I actually created cartoons to see the kingdom through what little kids, how little kids would see it, the kingdom, like just the gospel. And so we went and for the next year, every, every day, like every day we were at the cancer hospital, I would just draw a cartoon or two like digitally, and I was learning how to do it. And, and so I created like 182, I think, um, oh. these cartoons through the year. So they, it, and so we created, we got a website, uh, Abbas Kids, and, and that's a, a daily thing that we send out the cartoons to, to some people. But it, it just really, um, you know, some people might say, well, that was a coping mechanism. And, and yeah, you're probably right. But it was a, it was a time when I felt like, my heavenly father was sitting with me at the table and, and, and honestly in my heart, not inaudibly or anything else, but it was like, it was like, he was going, Oh, I like that. Why don't you use that? <laughs> you know, use, you know, do that. I like that drawing. I like, and, and so it has, uh, it just, if, if, if for no other reason, it has a lot of meaning for me and my family because yes. it, what it came from. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's fabulous. And you picked a pen up to put it to paper as well, didn't you? Yes, well, yes, yes. In I, a manner of speaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've have a, I mean, the original book that I wrote was the Father's Love Letter devotional back in um, 2002. Uh, but the, I, I did, I felt like for years I had this, this, a book inside of me uh, to unpack a childlike heart. And so, um, 
what ended up happening again, it's through our, it was through our, our daughter in our daughter's cancer treatment. She moved home with us and, and lived with us so we could care for her. Um, I kept on putting off the, the writing of it. Cause I'm going, I, I just felt like I, I don't even know where to start. One, one morning in a, in December, a few years ago, I woke up, I felt like the Lord woke me up at 4 a.m. I was like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like I, there's no way I was going to get back to sleep. So I went down and, and I just had a coffee and didn't know what to do. Read the news by 5 a.m. I'm done. And just try to get through the day. The next day at 4 a.m. I woke up again and same thing. I'm going like, okay, okay. You're going to get my attention. And then anyways, I felt like the, just the Lord just encouraged me to start to put these thoughts down on paper. And so I, for the next three weeks, I, I woke up every day at 4 a.m. And just oh. wrote, wrote, wrote until I was, I felt like I was done that day. And then uh, it ended up being a book called the kingdom belongs to little children. And that was uh, just really reflecting on uh, it was the, it was during our daughter's cancer treatment, but it was the first year of our first grandchild's life, Riley. And so I was had the privilege of to observe all the beautiful childlike aspects that she carried. I was, you know, of course, I was just totally gaga anyway, but um, and be able to 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 try to the best way I could to unpack why God would think these childlike attributes are absolutely spectacular. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the story behind that book. Wow. So this this whole thing about childlikeness, um, do you think that's a a key element of of knowing God as a father, or is it something that comes before the experience, after it, or what? Well, unpack, I mean, unpack it a little bit for us. Yeah, this childlikeness. Like I know, like it, as we would both agree on you know we can only share our own life right and yeah. so and everybody has their own unity um i think one of the things that you know jack winter when he would describe himself he would describe himself as a little boy with a big dad and he used to say uh, we have a choice in our life we can choose to be little and have our father's influence as big or we can choose to be big and have our fla- father's influence as as little mm-hmm. and and so they, and he said, we're loved the same. It's not like we're not loved, but he just said the, uh, you know, it's the way that we want to live. And so because Jack, like there's something of Jack that, uh, that really attracted, that he carried this mm-hmm. in this, this whole, in the very core of his being. He was a man who had tremendous spiritual authority, traveled the world, champion of the father's love. But yet when he saw himself, he saw himself as little. And I remember the kind of uh, the last charge that he gave to some leaders in the father's love form and uh and this is before he went to be with the lord he was talking about um king saul and uh when there's a there's a particular passage of scripture where the lord is speaking to samuel about king saul he says i chose him when he was small in his own eyes mm. and so jack's charge to us as as leaders of this father's love uh Father's love for him was stay small in your own eyes. And uh, the last message I ever heard Jack Winter preach, um, it was a few months before he went to be with the Lord. And it was from 1 John, and it was just basically little children love one another. And, you know, that, of course, so resonated with me. And Mm -hmm. and just this idea of a childlike heart. 
again, it comes down to how we relate to the first person, the Trinity. The only ones that can call God Father are his kids. You know, my friends of my children, if they would come, they can't call me dad because they're not my, I'm not their dad. But so the only way that we can relate to God in, as a father is through the paradigm of as being his children. Yeah. And, and so that, I think that's one of the things that I really believe is when we begin to come to terms with that is, is how does the father see us? Uh, does he see us as the, you know, independent and strong and, you know, competent adults that we are? Or in, his, in our hearts, does he still see kind of the origin, the original us that he created when we were born, when we knit us together, uh, together in our mother's womb, where we needed to be loved? We were vulnerable. We were innocent. We were dependent. Mm. Uh, and I believe there is still that element in us. I mean, on the outside, of course, we're, we are who we are, and we live in a world where we have to pay bills and all that. But I believe there's something of the Father's love that so resonates within that little boy or little girl that's still there. I mean, one of the things with, with Jack that for the few years that I knew him, I really appreciated many times when he would pray for somebody, he would ask the question, can you be a little boy that needs to be loved? Can you be a little girl that needs to be loved? And it's like it, 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 the easier somebody could come into contact with that yeah. wounding, that disappointment, the longing to be loved that they, they've always had, and, and of course, because of often in our lives, we get so full of pain, we try to separate ourselves from the pain of childhood by growing up yeah. as quickly as we can. Yeah. And we somehow separate us, but we, we aren't separated. Um, a friend of mine's in addiction medicine, uh, and he, he said that most of addiction, adult addiction struggles, is, is a result from trauma as oh. a child. And so here we are as adults trying to 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 try to uh, kind of block off the wounding of a child mm. and try to, you know, say it didn't exist. Now I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm trying to manage my life, but yet that wounding still affects us. And so, and we when, and we talk about children being resilient, don't we? Mm -hmm. But actually, are, are are we just fooling ourselves when we say that because we were not resilient? enough right. to 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 shake it off uh and and so we're living in this i guess i don't know denial or unreality of our own damage mm -hmm. and actually what we do then is project onto the kids saying oh they're, they're resilient they'll get over it yeah you know no i think i think uh, we have an, uh, an amazing ability to cope but that doesn't mean that you know, the resilience of bouncing back as if nothing happened i don't think that happens i just think yeah. we have a way, ways to to cope with pain and to manage it and to protect ourselves yeah. and and i and i just feel that the more that we're able to be honest about that core pain the disappointment yeah. the wounding the the, the more easily we are able to open our hearts up to receive the love yeah. of the Father because it brings, you know, the, the more that we try to be independent and self-sufficient and, you know, isolated and do everything to cope with life, the, the pain, the, it just, it just kind of puts a shell over us and, you know, yeah. how is it working for us, right? And it's just, yeah. I, I just believe that the more that we can get in touch with that, 
the little boy, like, uh, um, if we look at our life as growth rings in a tree, right? And mm. the fact that there's a, a one-year growth ring, a two-year growth ring, and we are the summation of every life experience we've had. Yeah. And so, I, you know, when Jesus in Matthew 18, 1 to 5, says that the greatest in the kingdom is a, is a child and those with a childlike heart, and, you know, he was very, very clear with his disciples. He said, unless you change and become like little children, humble yourself, you're going to miss the kingdom. And the word change means goes to turn in the opposite direction. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things, John, that you and I, you know, I know we've talked about in the past is the fact that our idea of kingdom, in the sense, and this is maybe, you know, maybe a, a religious system, is that we all agree theologically that we're all to be born again into the kingdom, right? To, the, sure. to be born of water and of spirit. Jesus never says when you're born again to the kingdom to, you know, immediately to grow up again. But in the in the system that we live in, where maturity is is equated by independence, and there's so many things to do in the kingdom, we actually often put so much pressure on people to grow up again uh, that they never get a chance to even breathe and learn what it means to be a little kid in a kingdom of of our where uh, God is your father and Jesus is the king in the kingdom, and and I think again if we understand biblical maturity, I think. Too many times when we try to understand what major- maturity is in the kingdom, we do it through a world, uh, orphan world system uh, vantage point, which is outside of the garden, mm. which is independence and self-sufficient. You grow up, you do all those things. Yes. But in the kingdom, Jesus says, you know, uh, the son can do nothing of himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. John five nineteen and 20. And. And I truly believe the more that we understand the glorious implications of being joined to the vine, and we're just a branch, and our life is complete and utter uh, utter dependence upon the vine, yeah. the more that you know the childlike heart makes complete sense. Sure. Wow. Wow. And we and we don't want to be that place, really. Do like you say, we have this idea of what maturity is. But there's also the whole idea of of the vulnerability that's involved in that. The risk taking of if I make myself that vulnerable, will I be hurt again? Will I be, you know, all of those fears? And so we, we like you say, we put this shell on yeah. to avoid any sense of vulnerability. And, yeah. and we treat Christianity like that. We, it's almost like I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm whatever. Uh, I'm invulnerable in Christ. And, and, and that's, completely the opposite of what you're talking about you know wow yeah i I, and i think that it's you know for a lot of people uh life was scary Mm. when they were kids and so they have absolutely no interest in returning to that sense of vulnerability and weakness and dependence because you know every adult was huge they were giants to little kids right and so but when we get to do this divine redo a new beginning, a new start, where Almighty God is our dad. I, I just, I just think that what is, a, we don't have to worry about the vulnerability in the sense that He is our covering, He is our protection, yeah. so we can be vulnerable. You yeah. know, could you imagine? And I know, you know, there's a huge difference between childlikeness and childishness. And sure. little kids can be childish because they're kids, and give them a break. But some of the most childish people I know are adults. <laughs> 
who are manipulative. They're they're controlling. They want to get their own way. They want to kind of step their feet and, and and control people. And so childishness is in essence just reserved for little children. And I just believe that you know it takes courage. I think to return to that place or just say, Father, would you just show me the little me? Because mm. I, I think people are just maybe really afraid to look at that. But when we see it through the lens of love, when we see that, I, I really believe in a sense that returning to a little child, we, God gets to um, rewrite on our blank canvas who we are. Oh, yeah. Who he intended us to be from creation. and. Yeah. All of the brokenness and the damage and the scarring of, of an, you know, just living in an orphan world system, he gets to undo. Wow. And we bring healing and he brings, and, the, and again, that's like the, just the drawing cartoons. It was just, just this beautiful, you know, fa- and father and son just doing this for the sake of doing it. And, and I just think, you know, when the more that we believe we're loved too, then even the, what our value system changes. Hmm. You know, yeah. in the sense like, you know, we, we very much think like Greeks in the, in the church where everything is boxed. We have our spiritual box and our work box and our family box and, and all these things. But when we're, we're really spiritual Hebrews and the more that we are able to experience his love in every area of our life, the more that we see him in everything. Uh-huh. And then we don't have to do things to feel spiritual. We, our life is a living sacrifice, right? And, and little kids, sorry. yeah, yeah, sorry. Carry on, no, carry on, carry on. I just want to say, little kids live there because they don't have a choice. <laughs> they don't have the intellect. They don't have the strength. They don't have the power. They don't. They don't have anything that mm. would would draw them out of this place of complete helpless, beautiful vulnerability and independent uh, uh, simplicity and innocence. And I just believe there is a place mm. we can live there again, even in this crazy oh. world system in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. And it's just as you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking that that childlikeness is actually the foundation of faith because all faith is, is trusting someone else. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, we've, we've created faith into a system whereby we do miracles and we do this, but actually that's not what Jesus was talking about when he talked about having faith. He talked, he was talking about believing that God was who he said he was and would do what he said he would do for you or in you, or through you, and, and I guess we've, because we've thought about this, I have to mature, and I have to do the, the work of the kingdom, I have to get trained up, when actually, all Jesus was saying was, no, you become like one of these little kids, trust your dad, trust his voice, and see what happens. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I think, I personally believe that childlike trust is the, there's something of, when we trust God, it's like, it touches his heart like nothing else does. Mm-hmm. Because when we get to heaven, when we see Jesus face to face, there's not going to be the need for faith because we are going to be with him and it'll be all, you know, the substance of that will be there. Yeah. But this side wow. of heaven, when we live in an orphan world system, when our parents have said things about us and defined us in ways, when an orphan world system reinforces those things, and for us to be able to come to the place where we say, Father, we, I just believe I am who you say I am. And that's it. Amen. I just believe that. You know, like little kids, the most amazing thing, that, and it, the smaller the child, the easier it is for them to believe. Right? True, uh, yeah. They just, believe yeah. what you, they just believe what they're told. I, yeah. I, I remember last year I built a, 
a, a playhouse for our, our grandchildren. And I strung these Christmas lights all around the, the beams of the, of the playhouse. And so I, our three-year-old comes out and I say, look at, and I turned the lights on. I said, look at the, they're fairy lights. And so she's three and she goes, fairy lights. Oh, and then I bring her five-year-old sister out now in school. And I said, look at the fairy lights. And she looks at me, she looks at the lights and she says, grandpa, are they fairy lights or are they Christmas lights? <laughs> <laughs> I was busted, but it, it showed me the progression of the heart that starts to, you know, reason. And, and again, if we look back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life, we start to see the origin of separation mm. rather than union. Wow. Wow. Fairy lights. That, that's what we used to call them when we were kids, fairy lights. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing, Barry. So we're kind of, our time is, is rapidly running out. Um, I lose track of time when I'm with you guys because it's just such great chat. But what, what do you see? Uh, how, how do you see Father's love going to the world? Um, how, how do you envision that happening? Or do you envision that happening? Well, yeah, I, I do. I, and I believe that, I mean, of course, with the Father's Love Letter, we you know, worked with mission evangelism organizations that have really seen the value of it for evangelism, and they've actually yeah. delivered it door-to-door to entire nations. And, and it's, it's, I think the thing that is common for every person on the planet is that we've all had a biological father and a mother. Whether we've known them or not is not the story. We've all had that. And that's what is the foundation of our life. And I really believe that when we are able to connect people with the foundational need to be loved mm-hmm. by a father and mother, and when we can understand that when we get in touch with that need, the disappointment, the pain, the hurt, whatever, with any person on the planet, it is I believe that's the language of the human heart, no matter what eth- ethnicity you're in. Yeah. And, and so my hope and prayer is, is that the uh, as sons and daughters, that there would be language. I, and, and, and I ask for that language for media and, and for every expression that this would be communicated to every person on the planet, that they are absolutely and completely loved by a father in heaven who created them, who knit them together. He has a, a destiny for them. And Jesus is a manifestation of his love, and he is the way uh, for them to come home. Wow. And I think, you know, if so, if, 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 if that is something, you know, to me, I don't know, you know, the, my own experience is what's happened with the Father's love letter in that, that vein over the years. But uh, I believe that the love of God, when, it, when it, it's expressed in family love, and of course, if it's expressed in family love, it's when the church begins to believe we're a family mm. and not an organization or not a bunch of denominations or it's not oh. just an objective, but we're, we're just, we're just, we have the same dad for this reason. I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth drives its name. God is father. And when oh. we start to communicate his father heart, his mother heart, and to the very core of, of every person, because that like I, and this is maybe more of an opinion, John. So take it for that. If you, wanna, if you want to no. delete this afterwards, I, I totally un- I understand. But I believe 
There is something in the nature of every newborn baby that expresses the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's hidden in plain sight because every board, they represent in the, that the total dependence and innocence and vulnerability that the father thinks is absolutely spectacular. And it's like it's being able to reconnect with that innocence in us to realize that we need a father. And so it's like, you know, we all see these babies around us and, you know, it just happens in life and it's the circle of it life. Does. But if we begin to see that that is, is it's, it's signaling a way that you and I can have a return to love and to be, to, to really begin to discover how much we're loved by the father and be able to revisit that. So, and I think in these days of the pandemic, like to me, I just think we're, we're, we're dealing with problems that are too big for any of us yeah. to manage. Yeah. The, the greatest minds in the world just can't figure it out. Yeah. And um, one of the things, what I think about with the prodigal son in his story, that he ended up in a pig pen. <laughs> he ran out of his own resources. And it was when he ran out of his own resources that he, he was awakened yeah. to his need. Yeah. And it, it must have done something to his mental health. Yes. I the, the, shock, so. the shock of falling so far. Yes, absolutely. No. And, and to the point where, you know, he, did, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Like yeah. he, just, he, was, he was devastated to the core. And it's not like I believe the father is trying to orchestrate that in our lives. No. But he, I think just the orphan world system just beats the tar out of us. And so I, I believe my prayer is even in this pandemic that we're in that, that that when we run out of our own resources, you know that we'll be able to come to our own come to our senses that we have a father, and that he loves us. And of course, we know from the story of the prodigal son, yeah. he, there was no judgment. You know, there was there's no punitive damages. Uh, you know, no uh, quarantines. <laughs> the son had to be quarantined from his father for 14. He, the father just fell on him and started kissing him. Uh, and he did, he hugged him. He gave him a, a robe. He gave him a ring. He gave him sandals. He restored him immediately. And so my prayer through all this mess that we're all going through worldwide is that, yeah, there just be an awakening in the hmm. midst of it all of that. You know, we, you know, our limitations, our capacity to fix ourselves is limited, but God's sure. is unlimited. And so wow. does that make any sense? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great, man. That's great, bro. Love it. Love it. Are you any final thoughts you want to share with the, with the listeners? Well, I, I would just encourage you. Um, yeah. Just to, I, I would challenge you as your little brother to um, just, Ask the father to show you the little you. Hmm. And would you, you know, just uh, ask him for the courage to, to show that, you know, as, as my friend James Jordan said, all um, a grown man is, is a little boy who ate his cereal and got big. And so uh, I believe that inside of you, the, the little three-year-old is alive and well, and the father wants to pour out his love on that little one, and he wants you to to experience a, a divine redo in his kingdom where he's your dad and that there would be a life of exploration and adventure to discover who he created you to be and to be able to live from that place. Mm. Wow. I oh, didn't even speak about the webcast. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll, I'll I'll see some information about that. Alrighty. It's part of it. Alrighty. Uh, it's been so good to see you, man. Uh, it's good seeing you, mate. As always. Bless you. Bless you. Thanks. Loved loved it every minute of it. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, man. Bless everybody. Take care. Love to the family. Thank you.